You are listening to Astrology Today, coming to you live from beautiful Sunshine Coast and Powell River, which is situated on the traditional lands of the Klahoman Nation. I will be your host, Maureen Reed, and I am an astrologer. Welcome. Okay, folks, it's just you and me and Leonard's ghost. Um, Obviously, as you can tell from my wonderfully nasal voice, I have a cold, which I'm winning. I also have my beautiful blue gloves on and a sock mic. Mic? Saw? Whatever. (laughs) Anyway, just a reminder. You can email me for PDFs of your chart set with whole sign house systems at maureen at cardinalastrology.ca. That's all one word. Um, And my show today is all about the mystery of timing and can we mitigate our destiny? Big question mark. Or put another way, is it possible to see if the road I'm on has a dangerous bump ahead? And in my case this week, bubble wrap would have been appropriate. Events, if timed, can be can provide astrologers with signatures or examples that can help in reading future events, which can be positive, so ergo, uh, something you want to repeat or take advantage of if it comes around again, or in my case, yeah, not so much, don't want to repeat it. So, what happened, you may ask? Well, some of you who have been um, following me a bit with the astrology on Facebook will already know, but for the rest of you, um, I had just your garden variety accident um, this past week while pruning trees at a friend's farm. I managed to push the ladder out from underneath myself and, well, I hit the ground. Whereupon I lay there for a while because, as you know, old ladies do not bounce well. My friend and her ducks all came to my aid, and as of today, I do have some mighty colorful bruises, aching muscles, obviously, and, of course, as you can tell, a cold I had been keeping at bay also swooped in on poor me. My husband said, please don't whine on the radio. Okay, I apologize. I'll stop. Anyway, obviously, there's a chart. Okay, so separating actions are a very prominent Mars signature. And of course, I looked at a chart. And you will find said chart. So it's a bi-wheel chart that I've posted with the events or the um, where the planets were at, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty sure I've dialed it into exactly the time that the old body hit the ground. Um, and the inner wheel is my chart. Okay. So when you look at that, um, yes, you can see Mars was opposite my Jupiter. It was a wee bit past, but not a full degree. And Jupiter, as a reminder, is a slice of your character in modern astrology in charge of optimism. Okay, so Mars action is triggering my ability to be, oh, let's see, careless. Okay, now the moon is actually, I should say, the trigger. And this is true in events that um, it is the action of the moon that would have set up that Jupiter, Mars opposite my Jupiter. Nothing would have happened if the moon hadn't triggered it. Okay, 
Now, what I was surprised to see was, okay, so not so much. It was a Virgo moon saying, please pay attention to details. And, um, but it was just a trine to Mars. Actually, it wasn't even a trine to Mars. It was a trine to my midheaven. So I'm like, huh, why would that create the problem that I had? And so my mind immediately went to um, uh, drilling deeper into, okay, maybe that moon was triggering a midpoint. Now, I'm going to take a slight diversion here and explain some midpoints to you. Okay, these are points in a chart that represent the degree that is literally halfway between two planets. So you can have a midpoint between the sun and the moon, uh, the moon and Mercury, the moon and Saturn, the whole, you know, all, all the seven traditional planets. And uh, when this system was being developed, the outer planets were already available. And so midpoints have also been looked at between the seven traditional planets and um, the outer three that have been discovered. Okay, so... The group that did this, the Astrological School of Cosmobiology in Germany, as far as I understand, did the pioneering study into this system. And so, ergo, I went to Wikipedia. So I'm going to give you a bunch of info from Wikipedia. So historically, the term cosmobiology was used by the German medical astrologer Frederick Friehau and Swiss statistician Karl Kraft in a more general sense to designate that branch of astrology working on scientific foundations and keys keyed to the natural sciences. So the term co cosmobiology was popularized in English after the translation of the writings of Reinhold Ebertine, who based a large part of his techniques on the midpoint astrology work of Alfred Witte. W-I-T-T-E. The term most frequently refers to the school of astrology that was founded by Ebertine, and cosmobiology was used in medical astrology. Why? Because Ebertine was a physician, which was something I did not know. Ebertine defined cosmobiology as follows. Cosmobiology is a scientific discipline concerned with the possible correlation between the cosmos and organic life and the effects of cosmic rhythms and stellar motion on man with all his potentials and dispositions, his character and the possible turns of fate. It also researches these correlations and effects as mirrored by Earth's planet, plant and animal life as a whole. In his endeavor, cosmobiology utilizes modern-day methods of scientific research, such as statistic analysis and computer programming. It is of prime importance, however, in view of the scientific effort expended not to overlook the macrocosmic and microcosmic interrelations incapable of measurement. So even, you know... This was obviously approached from people with minds that were totally geared towards science. They recognized that there, and I suspect there will always be, a point of wonder. 
um, in terms of science looking at the majesty of creation, right? There's going to be stuff that, hey, we ain't never going to figure out. Okay, so there, as I'm saying here, that was a mouthful. Okay, so this moon in Virgo that day triggered the following midpoints. My moon Saturn midpoint, my Venus Uranus midpoint, and Uranus ascendant midpoint. So, and I'm going to take this uh, right from Everteen's book. And by the way, if you can find a used one, I don't believe they're in print anymore, grab it. Um, in terms of astrological study, they're invaluable. Um, I paired my book with, again, another book that's out of print, which was a book that Robert Hand wrote called Symbolism, Astrology Symbolism. I think that's what it's called. If you can get your hands on either one of those, get them. Okay, so midpoint, Moon Saturn. What does that read? Oh, self-control. Uh, Venus Uranus reads, sudden exci excitability and self-willed. Hmm, as she casts her mind back to what she was doing in the tree that moment. Um, Uranus Ascendant reads, A quick response to the influences of the environment. Probable manifestations, an accident. Oh yeah, there it is. So the condition that Mars was opposite Jupiter, in other words, making me just a wee bit too optimistic with what it was I was doing, and, and then... The moon comes along and triggers, well, if you actually aren't paying attention, there you go. This, I must say, would be impossible to predict. Or was it? Well, for starters, no one's going to spend that much time <laughs> looking at, um, anyway, yeah. Um, so flat out with a sore back and a cold and never being one to waste time, I listened to the lesson in my Hellenistic course on what they call zodiacal releasing, a technique that maps out the chapters and paragraphs of a person's life. Now in modern times, before this material was available, astrologers used solar arc directions and secondary progressions along with transits to do this. But I must say that these techniques, especially the ones um, solar arc and secondary progression, did not really point to events or the general tenor of life. I use them in my practice to encourage clients to use the symbolic themes that they were demonstrating as opportunities to further unfold their potential as in a flower flowering. As I watched the lecture and I saw the examples shown, I realized that the ancients had a far superior system that included not just when to act, but how successful the person would be. Yeah, yeah and, and again, that's a, um, a relative statement. Okay, um, but also what their subjective experience would be like. Again, are you really gonna tell somebody? <laughs> oh, and so it, this is an interesting technique because, well, you'll see. I'm, I am going to, um, uh, yeah, grab a chart, and we're going to walk down this road a bit. Okay, now their system would have been a job to calculate back 2,000 years ago. My head hurts trying to imagine doing this. And so I haven't posted this because I don't have 
This particular wheel is um, copyright, so I can't post it on my website. But here, let me just give you an example. So in making the calculations for zodiacal releasing, um, here is some of what has to happen. So once you've figured out where to start, you give, let's say, 15 years to Aries, 8 years to Taurus, 20 years to Gemini, 25 years to Cancer, 19 to Leo, 20 to Virgo, 8 to Libra. And you'll notice that this corresponds to the 8 years back in Taurus, so obviously Venus. Uh, 15 years, again, same as Aries, uh, a Mars-ruled sign. 12 years to Sag, same as Pisces, which will be also 12 years. And then uh, Capricorn is 27 years, and Aquarius is 30 years. Okay, so got that? Now, in zodiacal releasing, there are four levels. Okay, and what I just listed off is the first level. So if you wanted to go to the second level, you have to do the math using 15 months for Aries. If you want to go to the third level, uh, you have to use one month, seven days, and 12 hours. And if you want to go to the final level, three days and three hours. And of course, each of them, like for instance, if I go to Capricorn, so first level is 27 years, second level is 27 months, uh, third level is two months, seven days, and 12 hours. And the fourth level is five days and 15 hours. Right. Anyway, like, you, like I said, my mind just starts to hurt thinking about it. Bonus points. We live in the 21st century and there is a program and it is free. And you will see that in the write-up for today's um, Actually, I'm not sure if it's on the first, but if you click on today's episode 18, it's up there now. You will see a um, link to a site where you can download a free software program that lets you calculate um, zodiacal releasing periods. I highly recommend it <laughs> because to do it manually, no, nah, I don't think so. Okay, so... Um, there are four levels, okay, I've said all that part, and so I thought, okay, I've looked at how I would have looked at this incident from my perspective, uh, from the way I used to work with this, and so I thought, okay, let's, let's do this zodiacal releasing thing and see what it said for Monday. Okay, so my sequence, and this is how you begin. You begin by calculating the lot of fortune and the lot of spirit. And these are basically, um, they're called Arabic parts in some people's languaging. Um, they're also just called lots. They were a system that was devised, obviously, 2,000 years ago. Um, and they are like lottery ticket points. Okay, so the lot of fortune is literally that. It's um, no explaining why you might be fortunate if the lot of fortune, fortune is triggered. And of course, there's rules and all the rest of it that go with that. Now, the lot of spirit is going to give you um, the, 
best case scenario for the path to follow in life in terms of things like career or position in society, that type of thing. Anyway, so there's a lot of stuff goes into this, but so I thought, okay, I need the one on physical body. So that's from the lot of fortune. And uh, in the, during the course of my life, I will actually have six chapters. Um, and so I went to look at the one that I'm in currently, and it is a Gemini, is the, the um, chapter on a physical level. But if I go a little bit closer down to level two, oh, look, I'm in a Virgo at level two. And what's Virgo about? Virgo is very much about health, <laughs> about day-to-day -day routine, about actually paying attention. Okay, so, so far they're right on track. Now I can go from level two to level three, and I'm in a Scorpio level three. Hmm, who's that? That's Mars. And it's Mars in its manifestation of who has power. And if I think back to that moment in the tree, I'm wrestling with the tree because I'm trying to get into the right position to make another pruning cut. Guess who won? Not me, the tree. Anyway, so I go to, um, so that was, I'm down to level, that was level two is Mars. Level three is Gemini. That's Mercury again. And Mercury rules, of course, that Virgo. And with that Mercury, this is connecting the dots. Okay, somewhere along the line that day, I did not connect the dots with my wiggling around on the top of this ladder. Anyway, level four, which dials us into the day, February the 10th, 2020. And so I was supposed to start paying attention at 8.03 a.m. in the morning. Because why? It's another Scorpio period and it's Mars. So even with this method, okay, we basically got to the same endpoint. Um, but no, none of us is going to spend the time to, um, yeah, look at these kind of things every day. Although as she says this, she's imagining some of her summer vacation scenarios in which I just might have a quick look and see what's up because this particular system will be simpler to see because it maps out at different levels. And so you can dial in a week, for instance, and just take a quick cruise through, see who's being activated, see if there are any transits that are, you know, yada, yada, yada. Okay. Now, where did I go with this? Okay, so um, what I thought I would do is I would take this and I would go back to kind of what the the lecture that I was listening to is is really more focused on not so much the physical although obviously it can be used in a physical way but it's more um, at least the lecturer got incredibly excited about just what it can say about the the general journey that a person is going to take in their life um, and that is um, calculated from the lot of spirit. Okay, and that maps out the road one will take in career and life path. And given how, you know, it was, yeah. So when I started thinking about this, as I'm 
laying there listening to this lecture, I get this image of being on a path with your eyes blinded so that you can't see, and yet you know, you know, without a doubt, you just walk this way. You might run into an obstacle or two that forces you to, you know, change your course, but you really don't see the actual details around you. And, but whether the road is light and sunny, feels warm and comfortable, or whether it's cold and freezing or uncomfortable, apparently that part you can actually feel, um, the subjective. You can see that, oh, in this particular period of your life, it's probably going to be a challenge. It's going to be ones that you're going to have to work at in order to make it work. Um, I don't know. It's, it's, the implications are kind of bizarre. Anyway. So I thought, okay, so, you know, I'm not going to bore you with my life, but I thought, oh, who could I look at? Well, and I thought, when I thought about this, I decided to pick somebody who has already passed from this incarnation and uh, is probably not going to terribly mind if I talk about him. And so we are going to hang out with the ghost of Leonard Cohen and his chart and as she's looking through her papers she's seeing she has been silly and set things aside and not put them back in order so you will have to bear with me a second okay so that's where i want to be that's where i want to be but where did his chart get to because i had his chart Ah, there it is. Okay, so his chart is up on the website, and let me just read off the details. So Leonard Cohen was born on the 21st of September, 1934, at 6.45 a.m., Montreal, Canada, um, and it's considered an A-rated timing, and relative to calculating the lot of uh, fortune and the lot of spirit, that works just fine. Okay, so you actually, or at least I'm going to, um, I make up a second chart just so that I can lay that out, this whole process of zodiacal releasing. And so what a person has to do is they, you know, they locate those points in the chart. And for him, his lot of fortune is in Pisces next to his moon. Um, and his lot of spirit is in Aries, which is in the eighth house. And from this point of view, um, I'm just trying to think if he said, the houses don't play as much importance as the locations of these points. And so what they do is they start from the part of fortune and they identify the four angles to the lot of fortune. And so that would be the four mutable signs because our, so there are three modalities. There's cardinal, fixed, and mutable. And the signs that are that style are 90 degrees apart. And they represent one sign in each of the four elements, fire, earth, air, and water. So with his part of fortune in Pisces, that makes the four angles, so where the part of fortune is, is like the first house, so 
the Gemini would be the fourth from the part of fortune. Uh, er, Mercury. Virgo would be the seventh, so opposite the part of fortune. And Sagittarius would be the tenth from the part of fortune. So you mark those on a wheel and the planets that go with that. So we know that, for instance, his moon sits in a good spot. Yay, because it's next to the part of fortune. We know that Sun and Venus, which are in Virgo, they also sit in a happy place, okay, opposite the part of fortune. Now, the other two signs are not occupied, but when the timing reaches those, this is going to be a good time. Okay, so the next one you identify is who is the happiest planet in this chart? And this is a day chart. He was born with, um, you know, when the sun was rising, but it is a day chart. And so that makes Jupiter the happiest planet in his chart. Now it occupies cardinal signs. Jupiter is in Libra. So we now mark the four cardinal signs as being, hey, these are good places to be. So the cardinal signs, uh, Jupiter is located in Libra. Okay, uh, so that's a good sign. Uh, and it's considered the super good sign. <laughs> okay, so uh, fourth from Libra will be Capricorn. And it is uh, considered a good sign as well. And here, the lot of fortune, or not the lot of fortune, the lot of spirit happens to be opposite. Okay, the happiest planet. And also, it's opposite Mercury. So Mercury, it too is in the same sign as the happiest planet in the chart. Okay, and the final one is Cancer, uh, which is 10th from the sign of the happiest planet. So, of course, the next thing we look for is we lay out, okay, who's the poopy planet? The planet that's going to give you the hardest time. And in a day chart, that's Mars. And Mars is in Leo. So we know that the fixed signs are going to represent uh, hard times. Now, this can be considered in a subjective way as well as a literal way. Okay, so whenever the timing hits Leo, uh, that's the most difficult because that's where Mars is. Uh, now, the next one would be Scorpio, and it's the most moderate. Opposite, uh-oh, we have Saturn. Now, Saturn in a day chart, is he's still a malefic, but he's not as malefic. But these two are opposite each other. And so when he does have some bad times, he has some bad times. Um, but this, when Saturn is triggered or Aquarius in timing, it's surmountable. You know, it's just like push through, you can get this, you can get it done. And the last difficult one is uh, Taurus, because those are the four fixed signs. Okay, so we lay this out first, and then we look at how does the timing unfold. Okay, so with one's uh, path in life slash... Um, 
I love it when my mind is just not completely all there. I'll be happy when I'm well again. Uh, Life path career. Yes, there we go. Okay, so we are going to start with his first period. Okay, so this is level one, starting from Aries and the sign, uh, yeah, the sign that the lot of spirit is. Now, Aries is a Mars sign, so the first thing we know is that that Mars is not a happy planet in this chart. And so, but fortunately, spirit starts opposite the happiest planet. And so it's mitigated. Now, um, but we know not entirely. And why do we know this? Because his father died when he was uh, nine years old. Um, and this is the way he described his, his childhood. I had a very messianic childhood. I was told I was a descendant of Aaron, the high priest. Kind of a huge mantle to lay on a kid. Anyway, so his timing for the lot of spirit um, would be 15 years long. And so we would expect a change in chapter in 1948. And sure enough, he switched to a different high school, so, you know, left a bunch of friends behind, um, and went to Westmount High School. And this was the start of a Venus period, or a Taurus period. And these ones only last eight years, but this was a very pivotal one. And as it turns out, um, pivotal yet um, in the sense that it's a fixed sign. So we know that Mars and Saturn are going to, whenever they get triggered, are going to give them some not so easy time of it. So subjectively, it would have been a challenge. But from what I can read in his bio, he really rose to it. Um, but it is also ruled by that Venus. And that Venus is a very happy camper Venus. Okay, so this is also considered a preparatory time because once he hits the, the level one Gemini period, which is, happens after this first eight year chapter, I probably lost all of you by now. So maybe I should just pause here for a second. So level one are the big chapters. Okay, so in his life, he went through one, two, three, four, five chapters. His life is broken up into five chapters. So that first 15 years, that was the first chapter. And so we're into the second chapter. Qualitatively, he would have, and I think most people, you know, when they're in that sort of mid-year range, they do, don't necessarily find it that easy. Okay, I'm turning away from the mic because I'm about to sneeze. <coughs> <coughs> And I know you're not supposed to have dead air, but trust me, you wouldn't want to hear that. Okay, another seat. <coughs> I'm really glad I put a sock on the mic. Because <coughs> no one needs this. Okay. So what happened in that 
eight-year Taurus chapter. So he's in Westmount High School. He studies music, poetry. He gets himself involved in all sorts of stuff. Photography, cheerleader, can you be? <laughs> can't quite picture that. He gets involved in clubs. He even serves as a president of the student council. Heavily involved in the school's theater program. Okay, and he teaches himself how to play acoustic guitar. Aha. So, in this Venus period, this is where the Virgo side of his character really starts to stretch its legs. And we know that with Virgo, these are people that if they get it, they practice at something, they can get very, very, very good at it. And so he starts off with acoustic guitar, forms a country folk group called the Buckskin Boys. <laughs> But after that, he, um, he gets some lessons from uh, a Spanish guitar player and um, focuses, shifts to, you know, um, a little more involved style of playing. Okay, so during that time frame in, uh, let's see now, he switches in a cancer period, level two, and cancer is sort of um, when he switches to his studies at McGill University. Okay. Um, and this is conditioned by the moon in Pisces. So he's likely, you know, started to do the whole relationship gig during this period. Cohen publishes his first poems, March of 1954. And so this is a level two. We're in, we're still in the Taurus period. So it's a level two Leo, probably didn't get the kind of press he wanted. Um, it's a level three Libra, which is super good, okay. Level four Pisces. So, 1954 would have felt hard, hard, easy, but major. Okay, so uh, this is when you want the client there because you would have asked them, so what was your subjective experience of that whole period of time? And you would want to hear some of those descriptors. In hindsight, of course, we don't have his ghost. His ghost is not speaking to me right at the moment. But that Venus is, uh, which rules that Taurus, is in mutual reception with Mercury. So it makes sense that he is first triggered to write, right? To just, he got caught by the art scene at that moment in time. Okay, so after completing his undergraduate degree, Cohen spent, uh, he spent time at a law faculty, 56, 57, so he is still in his Venus 
Actually, that brings up to the end of his Venus. Okay, um, Cohen described his graduate school experience as passion without flesh, love without climax. Consequently, Cohen left New York and returned to Montreal in 1957, and that was the end of his Taurus chapter. So far, this method is kind of making sense. Okay, so now he moves into a Gemini chapter. Now, this chapter is quite a bit longer. Um, Mercury chapters, so this is either Gemini or Virgo, are 20 years long. And <clears throat> with it being ruled by Mercury, that takes us to that super good spot because Mercury is next to Jupiter. Um, and that makes this a very happy uh, Mercury. Okay, so this one began in 1957 and it will run all the way through till, when's it end here? Uh, it ends in February of 1977. So this is, you know, predominantly where a lot of his work in terms of his writing really began. Okay, so he publishes his next book, Spice Box of Earth, in 1961. Um, lives partially due to a small trust that he inherited from his father. And the period of, of putting this book out would have been considered hard uh, because it's Leo. And where, why that? Because Mars, the malefic, sits there. So Cohen continued to write poetry and fiction throughout much of the 60s. And at the same time, he moves away from North America, buys a house September of 1960 on Hydra, a Greek island off the Saronic Gulf. Okay, so this is a Gemini um, peak period. Okay, um, it's also, if I look at this September 1960, it's a Cancer, which is positive, and Aquarius, it's a double Aquarius time frame. And so it's considered difficult, but it's surmountable in the sense of my suspicion is, you know, he's with a woman at this time. This is Suzanne. And he's, you know, he's young. And he's discovering relationship and how to make this career of his work. But it's surmountable. So he lives with Marianne with whom he was in relationship for most of the 60s. He writes Flowers for Hitler, The Favorite Game, and Beautiful Losers. All of this during a major peak period. Okay, so here's one of the comments that came out with that last book. Canada Press and stirred up controversy because of a number of sexually graphic passages. No one would have blinked an eye nowadays. Uh, the Boston Globe stated, James Joyce is not dead. He is living in Montreal under the name of Cohen. Also at the same time in 1966, uh, CBC producer Andrew Simmons produced a local Montreal current affairs program on which Cohen um, said, I've decided I'm going to be a songwriter. I want to write songs. 
And this is probably in due to the, you know, the poor reception that he got from his, uh, from his books. So Cohen traveled to New York City in 1966 to explore the burgeoning folk music scene. Uh, level two peak period, major sag. And also during this time, he, um, you know, he sets off with that whole music career. And in terms of his periods, okay, so 66 was a Sag, which if we look back at his chart is a major peak period. And so it made sense that, you know, like, okay, if the writing's not gonna do it for me, um, he was singing back, you know, in the beginning. So he picks that up. Um, also, um, once he hits the 70s, of course, he has a son born in 1972. And um, he also has a daughter, and she's born in 1974. So the music career, and I didn't get into a lot of detail with this, just because you can go yourself to... Um, uh, you know, Wikipedia, and it's quite the story. He's had quite the life. But something shifted. And if there are 17 and a half years minimum in a period, in a chapter, there happens, there's a thing that happens, and it's called loosening the bonds. And so a person can be going along thinking, okay, this is where I'm going, this is what I'm doing, yada, yada, yada. And so his music career was going, but I think it probably was not going as well as he wanted. Anyway, he hits the loosening of the bonds and um, him and, and his wife, I don't think he married, uh, he might've married her, I'm not sure. Anyway, they separate and he goes off to, um, am I getting this correct? Okay, so. Um, that's cancer. Oh dear. Have I got these out of order? Wouldn't surprise me. Okay, so his Gemini ends in, okay, so his children are born, 1970. No, he gets 1974. So it's with the birth of his daughter that the first shift happens. And that relationship ends. Yeah, okay. Yeah, okay, so I am getting this mixed up. Oh, dear. Yeah, okay, so I think that loosening of the bonds for him was the ending of that relationship. Then he heads into a cancer period, right? And that's on February the 7th, 1977. And um, he gets together with uh, Jennifer Warrens and his career takes off again um, with the famous Blue Raincoat album, um, which I know personally I absolutely loved. And, but the career, you know, takes a, a, um, a shift in 1984, no, 1994. So it tracks along um, 
really well until 1994. And I suspect this was a bit of a surprise when he all of a sudden dropped off the face of the earth, literally. (laughs) And that was June of 1994, loosening of the bonds. What does he do? He heads to a a Mount Baldy Zen retreat. And he takes five good years out, which um, brings him to 1999. And so a loosening of the bonds, it's not uncommon for people apparently to make a sudden left or right turn away from the path that they've been on. He obviously does come back, um, begins to get back into his music, and then discovers that his manager has been uh, ripping him off during that time that he was at that monastery, and ends up in his last chapter in Leo, which starts in 2001, Um, He discovers the problem in 2004, um, but he starts his music career again, and partly because, yeah, he's close to being broke. Now, I'm seeing that I have magically come to a timeout because I'm running out of time. I have 12 minutes left. Wow. I will spend a lot more time with this whole zodiacal releasing. Um... I'll be looking at it from my own point of view as well, just to see how well it does show things, because it's purportedly wanting to say, this is a peak period in your life, this is a conclusion period, this is a tough time, this is a not-so-tough time, and that road is laid out, okay? Whether you actually want to know, now that's the big question. But we do want to know what's happening right now, so... This is a rebroadcast of my radio show, Astrology Today, which aired on CJMP 90.1 FM, Powell Rivers Community Radio Station.